Hi everyone, this is Jim from One More Turn. This is a fun episode this week, but unfortunately, Kevin's audio file got a little messed up and distorted. It's rather low quality. There's only so much audiomancy that I can conjure up, so we'll have it fixed for future episodes. I promise, I promise. In the meantime, thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. We've got a new case for you, gumshoes. This episode, we're taking one more turn with Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Welcome to One More Turn, a classic gaming podcast investigating all those times the pyramids got stolen. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. This week, Jim, we're playing Carmen Sandiego, and it got me thinking about my my history of edutainment growing up. And where did it get you? <laughs> got me this podcast, didn't it? <laughs> no, I don't know about you, but uh, I went to private school, but my friends who went to public school have a similar situation uh, when they grew up, which is every school has the computer room at least when i was younger where you it's you walk into the room it's just a dark room and there's probably like 20 apple twos lined up along either wall with like the monochrome you've got like six seven years on me and even we had the apple two lab yeah like the monochrome green and and uh, uh just green on green dark green on light green screen there was like the one color one that like ever like the kid who got the one color screen was like super excited to get on that one computer until half of the games are incompatible with it and wind up creating like this big flickering pattern giving half the room seizures just because all they wanted to do was play Oregon Trail yeah yeah or they or the kid who take who brings leisure suit Larry in and like kind of sneaks it into the corner the corner computer desk. What? I went to a Catholic no way, school man. We had people, we had someone sneak an external hard drive with World of Warcraft on it in high school. It's good to know that people were doing similar things with even more uh, disastrous of games, <laughs> at least as people's lives. Yeah, so uh, I don't know about you, but I, I always loved computer class because it did, it pretty much, no typing was involved. No actual learning how to program a computer was involved. It was always what? like... You didn't have Mavis Beacon? <laughs> yeah, no. No, it was basically like sit in this classroom, play a game where you're going to do d- division for an hour or number crunches for an hour or Oregon Trail or or whatever. And, and that was it. Like it seemed, it almost seemed like a ripoff to me. <laughs> like, Those I'm math being... race cars aren't going to fuel themselves. <laughs> so They're was... fueled with the power of division. So I'm curious about you. Which ones, <laughs> which ones did you have? Cause mine had, everyone had Oregon Trail. Everyone had, there was one, I don't think I've mentioned it a couple times, but the frog lily pad editions game where you have to figure out this pattern of this frog crossing all these lily pads using Using like a long uh, uh, a formula. Uh, a oh, so it's like formula. Frogger, except you get run over. You get run over by multiplication problems instead of cars. Yeah, and then you fall in the pond and drown. It's pretty sick, yeah. kind of sad. <laughs> it's traumatizing for a little kid. Yeah, well, it's functionally teaching you about taxes and about how you're going to get screwed over in the end by just a long series of numbers that you don't understand. Yeah, yeah, it prepared me for my life in insurance and just staring at numbers all the time and, and the noise. Or and then the, and then it was and then lemonade stand, which 
I don't know. So sometimes people had that, but everyone, every computer system, or at least the color monitor one, had SimCity, which was oh wow, yeah, really. What like what is what is educational about SimCity? There is very little involved that involves actual city planning there. <laughs> yeah, I guess like if you're gonna be a city planner, that's a good a good game to play. But yeah, it was. And let's be honest, like when younger kids I mean, are only gonna play that game by just taking either a preloaded city and just repeatedly hitting the airplane button. So I don't necessarily know what they're being trained for. Maybe Al Qaeda. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That went dark quickly, Jim. <laughs> that went dark quickly. That's, That's what I, people did with SimCity. Come on. I played it real. I don't know. Maybe I was just, maybe because I went to Catholic school and I, I would get the hammer if, uh, I get the, I get the ruler if I didn't play it real. Sure. <laughs> but what was funny in my class was like, like I said, we had one colored screen or one color screen and you can only really play SimCity on color screen. There might be some green and like read so my our teacher literally had us all gather around like one apple II monitor color monitor and like teach us sim city and teach us how this is somehow important to us <laughs> it made zero sense it was it made me at that point i realized we are just in here playing video games this is not the edu and edutainment is no longer relevant in this case. Maybe your teacher was adequately preparing you for what to do in the case of a nuclear meltdown in your city. Or mm. you're like, well, let's let's just bring up Ten Mile Island and then just oh wait, hang on, Godzilla's in this one. Hang yeah, on, we gotta re reload there's, again. There's a reason now. I, I write to my city councilman all the time about how why he put the industrial section right next to the airport you know or why he allowed godzilla to come in and destroy, <laughs> destroy well, to be fair town. to be fair there were no he didn't have the the he didn't have the luxury of colors so the yellow of the industrial looks like the blue of commercial which yeah. looks like the green of residential yeah so we <laughs> didn't we didn't quite have like sim city we just had things that, that appeared to have come free with the computer lab or something to that effect so we had Things like math racers where you just have a race car on the screen and then you just answer math problems and it'll tell, tell you how fast your car went based on how quickly you solved math problems. <laughs> oh, so like the speed of your mathematical abilities is what powered the race car is what you're saying. Right, which actually in a way is sort of a strange abstraction uh, for how racing actually works because it's taking all of the, the engineering design and all of the pit science, pitology, mm -hmm. ty tire tech. <laughs> tire, uh, aut autology? Autoerotic? <laughs> uh, <and> <laughs> okay. Now, we did also have several iterations of the Munchers series, yeah. uh, word munchers, number munchers, whatever in it that had a troggle, I think. Troggles? Was that what they were called? Troggle. What was the Troggles. Those are the bad guys. They, like, scream and just light up and say, troggle, 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 oh, troggle. Yeah, and, then yeah, they, yeah. and they'd be adding in additional numbers and additional words, and all you're trying to do is just pick out all the adjectives. Is that the, is number munchers, just to have it right, is that the one where it's basically space invaders, but it's just how fast you can type something? And no, 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 no. Number munchers uh, was a grid-based, it was a grid-based game where each box in the grid had a number in it, and you were given a particular query, like, eat all of the odd numbers, eat all numbers mm -hmm. divisible by five, and you would have to eat all those numbers, and once you've cleared the screen of those numbers, if you ate a wrong number, you'd lose a life. 
if you got eaten by a bad guy or troggles, mm-hmm. they they bite oh, you. They yes. bite you hard. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just ultimately like a weird kind of pack, not even a Pac-Man kind of knockoff, because the Pac-Man knockoff was uh, was from the PBS show Square One, in which they had Math-Man, and he got chased around by weird tor- anthropomorphic tornadoes. That show was messed up. <laughs> what is math? I'm, I didn't square, watch it. Yeah, square One. Oh, Square, square one. one. Square One. Got it. Yeah, yeah, got yeah. It. Got it. Uh, yeah. Which one am I thinking of? Where you type, where you type fast and it's space invaders, but typing, typing of the space invaders. Weird. Yeah, it's it's like uh, space invaders that cruise down, just like space invaders, except it's words, and you have to type the word and hit enter, and then it blows up the word. So between that and typing of the dead and the like, I imagine that there is a market for every classic game. Figuring that there is a market out there for any classic game to become a typing game. So we'll have typing of the Space Invaders, typing of the Pong. Mm-hmm. There's isn't there is a Mario teaches typing game. There is Mario teaches typing. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> Which you next know, episode? Does he? T- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. How do I type? What What is this? Yeah, but uh, who gave me a Russian keyboard? Actually, I was just over at a friend's place, and they he had one of the alternative keyboards, and it blew my mind. Anyway, sorry. Um. One one game though that stuck that did stick with me is the logical adventure of the Zumbinis. It was a logic based game in which uh, you're familiar with like those old grid problems, yeah, where you'd have like a, a, a large grid where there was like either th- like three long, three tall, but then like there'd be gaps in the middle, mm-hmm. and each of those each column would be representative of a particular category, and they'd give you clues like Kevin lives. Three doors to the left of Mr. Staholsky. Yeah. Cross off up. Kevin's not Mr. Staholsky. He's not in house. Blank, blank, blank. Crack, check, 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 check. Mr. Staholsky. I just fucked up your name. Mr. Staholsky lives in the greenhouse. So the green, the house with the green roof. And like, you're trying to figure out where Kevin is in Mm -hmm. relation to all that. Right, 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 right. But so, Logical Adventure of the Zumbinis, it gave you this widely randomized group of creatures. It's like a clump of Zumbinis, a zombule of Zumbinis. And there were these little green guys that were kind of Mr. Potato Head-ish in, in ways, except sometimes they had, like, wheels for feet mm-hmm. and all kinds of weird nonsense, because I don't, I don't know how that kind of person sits on a toilet. <laughs> and you're presented with a number of different challenges as you tried to take one this your group of zumbinis from one side of a map to another in which there would be like beehives that you would have to try to avoid but certain bees would only go after certain zumbinis and you'd have to try to like walk certain zumbinis towards some beehives and not others but again this was all a sort of logical uh deduction problem mm-hmm. um and you could wind up Having many of your Zumbinis die horrible deaths. Did they show it? Was it animated? I, I mean, yeah, in kind death? of cutesy ways. And kind of, like, it's similar to the ways that the characters get mauled in old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Uh, but they did sometimes just do backflips off of a cliff or get attacked by a bear. How does that feel today? I mean, do you have now have a fear of cliffs and bears? Um, <laughs> I, I think... always there? No, I think it's more of a desensitization towards genocide. Because, let's be honest, I went through so many of these poor Zumbinis that after a point, my heart hardens and is replaced by this big, like, lump of steel that's just trying, 
that's just trying to take this this is trying to take this forced migration of Zumbinis and turn it into an engineering problem. Kind of a it's kind of an Adolf Eichmann sort of situation. So they all they all just become numbers to you. One is <laughs> one is a tragedy. The rest are just <laughs> figures at that point, correct? <laughs> right. I mean it's remember, remember, history is written by the victors. We built a monument for those fallen comrades. <laughs> Out of their bones. <laughs> out of their lumpy bones. Out of their, out of their bones and hubcaps. <laughs> oh, we'll be uh, we'll be back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, where we have the finest world monuments for sale. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. Alright, Kevin, I'm I need to ask you up front here. How did you trick me into playing Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? I think I showed you a video of the TV show of some kid I don't know, it's been making the rounds lately that's some kid who doesn't understand microphones and he's on Carmen he's on Where in the World is Carmen San Diego and the host asks him like five times, like like the kid keeps leaning into the mic so like his boom his voice booms. He looks like an idiot. Anyway, you saw that. So basically, video. It's, it was like our first dozen episodes. Yeah, basically. I don't know if you heard it right. It was sort of like this. <laughs> you look ridiculous right now. Yeah, it's just I'm just a four-headed eyes. That's all. Uh, so I, I don't know how I convinced you. I think I got so excited that I just railroaded us into this experiment <laughs> on edutainment games. Um, sure. Yeah, you just you just slip this you slip this on top of the line where it's where we have this pile of games and I don't even uh, here I am just shuffling through the paperwork here. I don't look at what's in my inbox. I just take the first thing off the top and I'm like, guess I'm playing. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego this episode? I think I think huh. what, I think what it is is I love the song so much, you know, from the popular show. I just I just <laughs> sang it to you and so that infected you with the energy of the Carmen San Diego series and here we are. Well, hang here on. We hang are. on, Kevin. I don't I don't really remember that. Can you <laughs> uh, can you kind of refresh me sure. with how that scenario sure. went? Sure, sure. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> was there really that much scatting in the show? Oh, they scat a lot in that song. I thought there was a strict anti-scatting mo- like motion on PBS in order for them to get their public funding. So yeah, so this game, so the, we played the deluxe edition in '91, but the original version of the HD remix. Yeah, we got the HD remix of the '85 version, uh, which was developed by Broderbund Software. I don't. You had a question on Broderbund. They're an American company. They have an umlaut. They're making the <laughs> finest, the finest of American video games. They have an, they have a cross, you know, the, they have a little slash bit on the O of their company, but they're, they're an no, American actually, company. Yeah, I remember, I remember playing a number of their games growing mm-hmm. up on old, like, uh, the, on massive, the massive, like, five and, fuck, help me here. Five and, <laughs> yeah, like, like five and a quarter. Well, anything, anything early 80s, they were a lot of, they published a lot of stuff from like 80, 283 to like 94. So yeah, like, no, I had a fair number of their DOS games. Yeah, they did all, a lot of DOS stuff. In fact, they used to be headquartered kind of like near where I live. That's kind of why I like 
that, maybe that's why we did it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, they were just sort of they they eventually sold out, and you know, the learning companies bought them up because they're because the car, and then you know now the learning company handles all the Carmen San Diego stuff. But where in the world was the first one? Wait, wait, you said they sold out? Oh, they sold out. Like, man, Carmen San Diego was way better in my day. You know, back when, back when the mysteries meant something. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to know how much, I I found this fascinating. When they sold their company to the learning company, it was mainly for Carmen San Diego, I I thought. But they sold the company for 500, like $550 million. That's how much Carmen San Diego was worth in 1998. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Oh my like god! Half, half like almost like over half a billion dollars this company sold for, in ninety eight dollars. So wow, this this company was like one tenth of a Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But like you know, that's that's a case to be solved another time of why Broderbund sold why Broderbund sold for that much. But I don't know. I grew. I played like all of these growing up. I I played these with my buddy. I didn't have. I had the uh, Apple II at school. I didn't have it at home. So I, I always bust, went over to my buddy's house and played his version of this game, which I don't know if you remember the pack. <laughs> what was, what's that frown for? I, I have to be honest. When I went I went to friends' places to go play video games, it was usually for something that like my parents wouldn't let me play otherwise, or it was because they owned a system uh, that I did not have. That was the opposite in my house. I owned. I was the friend that owned the system. Uh, that every all the kids played uh, if they didn't have it themselves. But when I, my friend was the one who who had to play all the edutainment and like non-violent, non-quote unquote violent gaming stuff. So whenever I go to his house, I'd like hang out there all day. You get bored. You're eleven. You know, you're nine years old. <laughs> you can't run. You can't run play baseball all day. You come inside at some point, and Carmen San Diego is just sitting there. She's calling you. And I, I object to this being completely nonviolent because throughout this game there are little, I guess you can call them cutscenes. Uh-huh. I, I would compare them to the little whammy animations on Press Your Luck. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, and when they're trying to fire like cannons at you, <laughs> trying to shoot bow like a bow and arrow at you, even though the arrows have little suction cups on them. Yeah, yeah. And, Not sure what the attempt there is. And and you know when they when the police arrest the person you're trying to get to, you know there's a little scuffle involved. Maybe we miss a little brutality. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, like it does that entire like like yeah. dust cloud scenario, and there's like yeah. hats flying. If there's an obligatory kitchen sink that yeah. just always is there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, after the, like the first time, sure, the first time it was cute. The second time, like, man, is there like some random algorithm that determines what gets thrown everywhere? Like, oh no, no, there's just there's just always a sink. Yeah, I'm in yeah. the middle of the desert, and there's just this sink flying everywhere. Yeah, that's that that's that Warner Brothers cartoon aspect of this. So maybe we should set up the gameplay. <laughs> Everyone's played this game, right? I'm assuming everyone. It's a who's... detective thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, there's it's basically the whole game is played through one screen, and the only thing that and there's multiple. It's almost like if, if you imagine your computer right now. It, it's, this game. I'm very imagining much... my computer right now. <laughs> and this game very much trained uh, young kids to multitask. Uh, as the deluxe version has like five screens on it, just like your computer would. You know, you got a, you got your main internet window, 
You got your friend. Oh, there's in like the a fake cell talking. phone off to the side. Yeah, you got the fake cell phone which you have to turn on. That's a nice little touch, you know. A little, a little thing goes up. Even has a little like video camera on it. Yeah, yeah. Skype. Oh man, it's Skype. It's the future. Yeah, yeah. They knew. They knew. Broderbun knew in '91 all of this that would happen. There's a little. There's almost a little. There's a little uh, screen. At the bottom where you receive all your messages, it's almost like tweets coming in, you know, or text messages. So, I don't know. They were kind of cutting edge here, Jim. <laughs> You're saying that they were, that, that they adequately, that they adequately, they may have um, predicted projected. The like they, they had like all the projected technology for the next 20 years, even like way before James Bond had them. Oh, like, yeah. man, he had nothing on the Acme Corporation. <laughs> so yeah, so those of you who don't know, the, the setup in the game is basically, you're a new agent in Acme based in San Francisco, the Acme Cup, the Acme Detective Agency based out of San Francisco. Not sure of their affiliation with the U.S. government. I don't know if they're private or public. You know, they seem to have a lot of money. They seem to. They just... seem to have a relationship with the police, even though the police are mostly fielded by like robots and crash test dummies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and you are a gumshoe. You're the new recruit. You are given a case to find the stolen, you know, whatever it is. It's usually some weird item. It's never like a real, like, like, it almost is like never anything valuable. <laughs> it's always like, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's almost like, it's like the right shoe of, of, uh, you know, Henry, Henry Wordsworth. Or it's always like just some random stolen object. Right. It sounds like some. Well, it always sounds like something that was stolen from a, from a museum. Now, granted, not everything in the museum is of significant worth. They could just be stealing a night at the museum, DV, like on DVD. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I was kind of hoping when I was playing this that I would wind up with a situation similar to the game show where someone would just make off with the entirety of Angkor Wat or. Here it is. They just took the grand, like they took the Grand Wall of China on their motorcycle. (laughs) Later, that's a you know you gotta those motors those those Honda those Hondas have a of great suspension. Yeah, later games I think did that. I think this first one that was they tried to be almost real about it, even though it's cartoony. But yeah, so you are you start the case. You you are chasing a member of Vile, which is. I guess Carmen Sandiego's crime syndicate. I like the naming on it. It's it's definitely something out of like a sixties spy like a spy thriller. The naming of the different uh, like the different companies, whether it was the, the the naming of the detective agency and the villains, was like something out of the out of the No One Lives Forever series. There's like a there's there's a minimal amount of camp here, but there's still mm-hmm. some. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a cartoon. I, I guess. It's one of those things. They like it's the problem. I, I not problem, but it's the thing with all games aimed at kids or games quote unquote created for kids is that they they get like we're we're allowed to be silly and nonsensical because a kid is playing this and I'm supposedly kids so kid, supposedly the only thing kids like is nonsense. Uh, uh, kids will believe anything you throw at them. So the basic gameplay is once you're given your case, you fly to some exotic location. You talk, you usually interview someone, you, uh, you talk to someone at that scene, and then there's usually like a phone call or a second interview, and you figure out from those three clues the next location you're supposed to go to, uh, all the way until the final one. And in between all that, you are 
also learning clues about the person who stole said museum item, Night at the Museum DVD. Right. There, there's a number of different like little factoids that they give you throughout the air, and starting with first of all the pronoun that the pronoun kind of helps, mm-hmm. uh, but then they'll just have like random, like really, really unusual conversations about it, where like this person was thinking about. This I overheard this person having a conversation about about like rebooting a popular Richard Gere movie. Also, he had brown eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He talked about yeah. He was talking about the Col- Colorado River and something about seafood. Oh, and he drove away in his limousine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he drove away in his limousine. <laughs> yeah. He likes seafood. That was a th- like that was an option on how to get a warrant for someone. Like, hang on. <laughs> Hang on, who do we have in our database that's a woman with blue eyes like seafood? Oh, oh, hang on. That narrows it down to two people. Because if you had left out the seafood option, oh man, like that's that would have been everybody. By the way, there's only vile agents in their database. Like there's no just like, you know, like murder. There's no murderers in the Acme library. There's no murderers with blue, with blue eyes and who like seafood. Have you considered, have you considered that this world that we are playing this that we are playing in in which museums are the hot spot for all sorts of our of nonviolent crime that there is no more violent crime and therefore mm. there is no need there is no need for murderers rapists other like sex offenders there's no need for anyone in that database that fits the, those criteria because they don't exist anymore this is a perfect society. Vile and vile are the ones that are just rebelling against this perfection. It is a, I think a far, it's a far, is a far more entertaining game of who are we to judge vile? <laughs> vile is only, they are a representation. They are a representation of what the security, the, of what all of the security that we have taken in and the freedoms that we have given up. They are the representation of our own yearning to be free, mm-hmm. expressed, expressed through crime. <laughs> it sounds like some type of dystopia world. You're framing this game as if vile are the heroes here. I'm not saying they're the heroes. <laughs> All I'm saying is we shouldn't be so quick to judge, although they should probably come up with a better acronym. They are the woman with the hammer in the 1984 Apple II commercial. Is what you're saying? They're running into the theater and throwing it and and showing their freedom through crime? That is an interpretation. Now, granted, that I don't know how much of that was covered within the game itself. Uh, I was I was never on that case. I imagine that kind of that is that's like how it fourth, ends. It's like the fourth case in what? That's <laughs> no. where you had the decision. That's where you had the decision to leave Acme and go join Vile and go on a crime spree. Uh, that'd be a good game. So <laughs> it turns into Mark Echoes. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> so yeah, getting back. Um, <laughs> so I, so that's the game. Like you, you, you hear some clues. You then consort when you get those clues. Uh, your almanac, your trusty world almanac that came with the game, and you figure out where to go next, and then. You find it. What happens if you mess up? If you this me- happened to this may have happened to me uh, at one point where I I failed that geography B that it hit me with. I was supposed to go someplace. I went to the wrong one. I then was 
I was ultimately then stuck in a loop where you got the up. options that it gave me were no longer possible to travel to. You got tripped up on the Alps. Everyone gets tripped up on the Alps. There's, oh, an, Al there's an Alps clue, and that's France. Is that France? Is that Germany? Is that Spain? I, I don't. I, I don't remember specifically what it was, but I, I wrote down what the clues were because I I'm a serious detective. <laughs> you wrote it down. I wrote it down in a little Wiki notebook. Wikipedia, man. Wikipedia. <laughs> Whoa. Hold on. Are you saying that you, Kevin, ye, ye of ye of the instruction manual, ye of the church of the instruction uh, manual, I don't did like not use the almanac? I I first off, I don't own an almanac. They're 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 godless books. I did what any smart detective would use and use the items available to me at the moment I heard this clue. His guts. And when I took the clue. I typed it into Google and <laughs> got back several. I I typed in the the proper nouns of the sentence that the the guy gave me, and, and Google told me that I needed to go to Indonesia. So that's what I did. Right. It's it's actually I I felt it was a little ridiculous towards where there were some moments where it gave you multiple clues for the same place, except. The first clue made it very, very obvious where to go. Yeah. So, like, one of the first areas is, like, one of the first things that it says was, like, oh, I heard he was going someplace near, like, the Indus River. Like, oh, that's, that's in the Middle East. Okay. I just checked the travel. I'm like, oh, there's only one place in the Middle East. I mm. guess I'm going to Pakistan. I guess I'm going to Palestine. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of that where they're just so on the nose. Remember... For kids. For kids. <laughs> so, if this is aimed at like an 8 to 12 year old, maybe they haven't had that history lesson yet. Or, or that geography lesson yet. You know? I didn't take geography to like high I'm school. not going to take it easy on this game. Just oh, because oh. it's made for people one third my age. Yeah. As a matter of fact, so you may have, you may have written up a report on competitive baseball stars leagues available on our, on our WordPress <laughs> site. Uh, but where is the competitive, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego speed runs? I think we're starting oh, that. Oh, man, we need to start that. Let me, oh, hold on, let me, let me, hand, let me get your notebook out. Uh, I'm going to write this on Google and see if I can find it. Uh, with the competitive Carmen, how do you spell Carmen? How do you spell San Diego? Sandy. Diego. All right, I've got, I've got my little, I got my little spiraling notebook. <laughs> okay. Okay, San Diego speedruns. It's got a, it's got a nice ring to it. We're now a minor league hockey team. <laughs> the San Diego speedruns. Although speedruns sounds like a drug reference for to me. I was thinking, I was thinking, it's what happens after you have a San Diego burrito. But <laughs> I was thinking, you. I was thinking like when they bring it over from the border, all that speed that you're gonna buy at the, uh, oh. you know, you know, all those drugs. Are That's gonna buy. way better. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make a San Diego speedrun. <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to one more turn. A brief note from our sponsor: Join Acme, visit exotic places, meet new people, then podcast them. I'm Jim, and I'm Kevin. You're telling me you had a little trouble getting into this game. Okay, again, this is so we've covered that this is a game ultimately for kids, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. But everyone's played it, it seems like. Or everyone in our age groups has seemingly played it. You're not making me feel any better here, Kevin. <laughs> okay. All right. I may have let a lot of criminals go. <laughs> you didn't get the loot or the warrant? You didn't get the warrant? I There is no... You won't get loot in this. No. So, actually, but yes, you did cover... I didn't get a warrant because that's not covered remember i had to it took a little bit to remember that this is from an era in which instruction manuals were required reading yeah in order in order to play anything somewhere some some sort of document that would alert you as a gumshoe that you need a warrant to arrest somebody i'm gonna just think you're the rogue acme detective who just plays by his own rules and you don't need warrants you just take them See, down that's what i thought that's what I thought. I had no, like, affiliation with any federal government. I was just out there just tracking some guy who is trying to evade me in a little cartoonish biplane. You're like Dog the Bounty Hunter, except you have more, you, you wear more than a vest. I prefer Earth Boba Fett, but that's just me. I, so I tried, I tried arresting people. I tried arresting people without a warrant, and it's like, we, we don't have evidence. We don't have enough evidence to prosecute this guy. I'm like, what are you? What are you fucking talking about? I have a cassette tape that says of him saying, I'm going to look at me. I'm stealing all these great things. What, what more, what more do you need? What more do you need? Does like vile, does like vile have some sort of influence with the judges in this weird dystopian future? Well, let's, let's think about this dystopian future where warrants are required to arrest people, not to search grounds (laughs) like am i mistaken aren't warrants only issued for like i i always think of a search warrant maybe at this point well right maybe at this point there has been a court order stating that a person's clothing is also their place of current residence Mm -hmm. so that in order to search that person's clothing perhaps for some idol or piece of priceless art they would need a warrant in order to search their trench coat. But you're still describing a world government here, you know? Because if, how, we... is my American, how is my American warrant good in Indochina or Indonesia? Well, remember, this is, this is, interna- this is an international crime ring here. Yeah, We're not the... just talking about America here. This isn't, this isn't just Judge Dredd on this case. But they're tried in American courts, so you would need an American warrant. Oh wow! Remember? So is this is this is this sort of is it not only did this predict new technology, but this is also predicting uh, the like cases of like Edward Snowden or or Julian Assange, in which we're trying to strong arm <laughs> other countries into getting them to turn people over. If you've ever read Revelations, you know that the world government comes before the end of the world. <laughs> this game is like I feel like this game is as prophetic. Is as prophetic as Network was as a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 got it all. It's got it all. <laughs> it's got video, cell phones, and and weird gray areas in international law. <laughs> yeah. Maybe towards the end, you're worrying about copyright infringement. <laughs> so you had a tough time getting into it, is what you're saying. <laughs> I okay, yeah, I may I've let I let several criminals run free. There was a guy with a hat. Watch out for that guy. He's still the guy with the hat still on the loose. There was a roller derby girl that I did successfully arrest and try. Mm -hmm. You brought her back to San Francisco and tried. That's right. That's right. That's right. All cases in this dystopian future tried in San Francisco. 
That's the only thing that's left in the wastelands. <laughs> it's the only, it's the only, the only courtroom, the only law exists in the in Northern California. Well, right. Why else are we bringing people in from Nairobi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you had, so you had a tough time just turning the game on, essentially, because yeah, you get this interface, and I know what you're saying. You get this interface, and there's a like six buttons, and one's like. Uh, evidence, which is not really evidence. It's more like descriptors for each person. So it's not even really evidence. There's like dossiers of all the vile characters. There is a section that's like all the countries, but why would you ever, it's impossible to, there's no reason to look through all the countries because it's impossible. There's only like 20 countries in there anyway. Yeah, yeah. Then there is send, receive. I think there's like a send right. Button. There's like send receive, and there's like a cancel button. Yeah, but like you know, when you turn it on, it's you know the first thing Chief Chief Mustache tells you is, "Hey, book your flight." And you so you're looking at these six buttons in this bottom screen, and there's three other buttons on the left that you could easily ignore and not know what they're for. You know, one's travel agency, crime net. Yeah, crime net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a little confusing. So yeah, the interface is not not ideal in this dystopian future (laughs) so there was even one thing that confused me even more was that once i did start solving cases and once i did make sense of this interface when i was up for promotion oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. you had to take you had to take a quiz in order to get promoted that apparently trying and convicting well catching trying and convicting criminals was not enough no, I also had to answer a question about what Cary Grant's given first name was. <laughs> well, you do know, I mean, if you're like me and you've seen The Wire, it doesn't matter how good of a cop you are. There's a political side to all this. And the political You need to side... be able to enter Archibald <laughs> onto this exam. Yeah. The political side is you need to be able to answer these quizzes, these quiz questions. It's going to make your captain happy. I thought it was supposed to be learning about geography here. You are. Cary Grant's first maiden name is probably like a river in France somewhere, right? I love it. Oh, great. It's the Seine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the Seine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's dumb. It's a dumb. Do I have to deal, do I have to deal with that kind of bullshit in all these other, in all these other Carmen San Diego games? I think so. I remember playing like, the only one I remember playing other than than this one, where in the world? Because look, I had no interest in Europe. No one wants to play where in Europe is Carmen San Diego. You know, you hadn't you hadn't just recently graduated from college. No, no, I wasn't. Uh, the, no one wants to take the Europe one until their junior year of high school when you learn European geography. Right, you have to go find yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, USA, you know, we're in the USA. We're in the one I played was where in time. Which, okay. uh, which I didn't like the title of because time is not a place. Time is a, but a is the time. But is the timeline? No. Nope. No, 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 no. Here, the timeline. Where in the timeline is nope. this person? Time is not a... When's the last time you were you were like, oh, yeah, where, were I, where was I last week? Oh, I, I know. See, that works. I, <laughs> where was I last week? Right. And then what do you answer? Oh, I was at work. You don't say, oh, yeah, that's right. I was at Tuesday... December 15th. That's where I was. Like, you don't say, I was about, at 5 p.m. Or when I'm editing a podcast <laughs> and you say, hey, can you please remove that racist joke that I said in there? I would ask, oh, where in the episode is that? And the episode being a duration of time. 
Yeah, it's still Rob. <laughs> you, I'm you know, leaving your racist jokes in well, this week. So here's, where it, for a for a, an edutainment game to grammatically use the wrong, you know, basically use the wrong uh, uh, question. Hold on, did you remain in one place throughout the entire game? No, and you, you just had to location. travel back and forward in time. Like, well, at this exact location <laughs> in eighteen, like in eighteen sixty four, Antietam happened here. Like, oh man. But then, oh, then she jumped forward in time, and in the year 2065, that's where the Battle of Antietam II in the Second Civil War happens. Brought upon by Vile, taking, uh, taking over Lower Germany. <laughs> At this point, Germany is located within within the American South. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a dystopian West. It's a dystopian hellscape. Germany, just Germany's in the South now. But yeah, all the sequels are basically this exact same formula, which is... You know, get your almanac out for the U.S. or get your European almanac or get your space-time continuum almanac out. <laughs> or your your map of the stars. Because I'm going to know for where in space is Carmen Sandiego. Where, how is she getting anywhere? Does, like, Vile have this far more advanced, like, space exploration team than, like, than, the, than NASA ever has had? Are they getting secret funding from the Russians? I like... I like how the series, when it went to sequels, it did, like, the horror movie sequel move, which is just put it in space. Like, Jason X in space. Jason in space. Leprechaun in space. Carmen right, Sandiego in space. Right, that's where you're supposed space. to end it, right? Yeah. That's just... where you're supposed to end, because you can't go anyplace else, except maybe back and forward through time, which they also did. These do get kind of weird. What? There's one in this called Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego's Luggage? Does that mean she's like sending bombs out? (laughs) This is a Carmen Sandiego game, which was based on the game shows and video games and, quote, was used as part of a classroom-based customer service training course at Scandinavian Airway Systems. This is what I'm talking about. As soon as Broderbund sold this to the learning company, it just got whored out. It just became... It just became... This monstrosity that we see today, Jim, of all these Yeah, games. yeah. It really imploded after after such after such great productions as Where in North Dakota is Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> Who cares? She's in North Dakota. Nothing's Butte. there. We're in Butte, Montana. Oh, she's in Butte. All right, we got her. We found her. There's nothing else there. We're done here. Close your notebooks. Not many other people in Butte with red uh, red hats and uh, uh, jackets cruising around. Yeah, we've caught the one criminal that's left. We've kept the one world order safe. Acme, keeping the one world order safe. We'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn. Where I I tried my best to keep this episode acapella free. I'm sorry. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. Alright, Kevin. So Oh no. No. Never. I'm breaking. I'm breaking on camera and on mic. Yeah. So Kevin, okay. do you have anything do you have anything for us recently that any recommendations from you that is not perhaps not edutainment a, from the eighties? Not acapella category. Uh Yes. Preferably. This uh, this week I started playing a Flash game from uh, Terry Kavanaugh called Naya's Quest, which is a game that plays with pers- 
perspective, I guess is a way to describe it. It's, uh, gosh, I'm gonna Much to... like the recommendation from last week's episode. Yeah. Perspective. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Uh, that, that's the best way to describe it. Think of like a, like a tactical RPG board where everything kind of, people walk in angles. Like they walk, they don't walk up. It's not like Shining Force where everyone walks like up and down, left and right. It's like people walk, you know, northeast and northwest and southeast and southwest. Uh, the game move. You are you are a pink haired lady in the dystopian future, and, and you're basically trying to get to some town, and or trying to you know you're trying to advance, and you're going through all these kind of dystopian kind of weird areas. And how the gameplay is is you move in, like I said, northwest. If you're staring at the screen, you move northwest, northeast, south, southwest, southeast. And but how the game plays with those directions uh, messes with how you which directions you can go in. So think of Cubert. <laughs> <laughs> think of Cubert. Oh, he curses like a sailor. I know. <laughs> With no snakes. There's no snakes in this game. Now think of the Tower of Cubert. Imagine... In the Tower of Cubert. Oh, Is that what that level's called? <laughs> the Pyramid of Cubert. And instead of like, if you were to... Like two blocks are next to each other, and when you're looking at it in Cubert, you look like if I go, you know, southeast, I will the, the the two pieces look like one southeast of the other, okay? And you would jump, you would push down to get to that to that block. Well, the way the perspectives in this game is so off off key and off whack, it's not technically down from you. Some of these blocks look like they're say down from you. But really, they're to the right or to the, to the left. And it has a lot to do with, like, spatial mechanics and, like, spatial design. And presenting something that looks like it's one direction, not the band and the silly haircuts, but it's actually another. I am not interested anymore. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's very difficult to explain because I'm describing space. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I appreciate your geometric and spatial reasoning. Yeah, so... <laughs> So, like, so it's hard to tell which direction you're supposed to go. So they give you a little tool, which basically tells you which plane you're on and which direction you could go. But it's like an x-ray thing. So you have to hit a button, and as soon as you move one, it turns off. So every time you take, like, a step or a jump in a certain direction, it turns off. You have to turn it back on and, and, and kind of figure out which direction you are supposed to be going. Am I not explaining this right? You look confused. Jim. Well, so what's... What's the goal? Basically, like any game, get from point A to point B. There's no, there's no like things you're. Usually, fighting. there are other goals in games. <laughs> uh, this is it. This is get from point A to point B. You are like you live on the outskirts of town. And you got to get to town. Oh, okay. And, to and, your and walk scenario. And there's a narrative, and uh, the narrative, rather than being, you know, it's all text-based narrative, and rather than presenting the narrative and the text on the screen how you and I would see it, like from a normal perspective, like a flat, like how you would on a piece of paper on a Word doc, the narrative and the text is skewed in the same directions. Like it's going like, you're, you know, it's skewed in a weird perspective on a weird plane at, a, at an angle. So it looks like it's like coming at you or coming to the right of the screen, or coming to the left of the screen. That makes sense. So think of, yeah, so think like, a, think of it like, if you think of like a drawing or a painting where there's like a billboard, and, like, the billboard is never flat on that painting. It's always, like, at an angle. And so, like, if, it, let's say it said the word lost on the, some billboard, the L is smaller than the T, and it's slowly, like, it's a perspective thing. Like, the text is done in a perspective coming, kind of coming at you. 
I am so confused. Yeah, it's a very com- it is the worst game to describe. <laughs> um, Perhaps but, only seconded by all our previous recommendations. But I, I recommend it because it's the guy who brought us the uh, the letter V six times or V V V V V V. If you ever played that, oh okay. Um, so he does a lot of this kind of perspective and shift and and kind of uh, he plays around with spatial awareness a lot in his games and. Huh. This is another one that that plays with that and does it in a way. It it gets frustrating. There's some cheap deaths in it. There will be cheap de- cheap deaths. How do you die in this? So you're going through a normal world, and at some point you enter these like crystal cave kind of things, and there is literally just nothing underneath you. It's just a cavern that falls endlessly into a pit of nothingness, and you have to jump over these. You have to jump from one block to the next but you don't know exactly which direction it is. Is it down from you? Is it to the right of you? So you use this x-ray machine to figure out which direction it is from you, and then you jump in that direction. Oh, it sounds way better than just being kind of a trial and error, like it was like, like it was a King's Quest game. Oh, no, yeah, no. I, I feel like he might have had it. He may have had it as a trial and error and realized everyone's going to hate me if I make it trial and error, so maybe I should. Right, we're not going to turn this into another version of I Want to Be the Guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's at Naya's Quest. It's on uh, TerryCavanaughGames.com. Uh, how about you, Jim? What are you, what are you playing this week? This week, Kevin, I present to you and our listenership Horse Master, the game of horse mastery. Horsemaster. 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 Horse now, any centaurs? Do you... No, that's the sequel. Oh, okay. It does actually <laughs> say Horsemaster 2, Centaur Master. So how familiar are you, Kevin, with Twine? Not not the object, but, the but like, the game platform. I am not familiar at all. Okay, so Twine... Twine is a... Uh, it's, it's a platform... It's sort of, yeah, I guess I'll say it's a, it's a, it's a design platform... That allows for it's like Unity text-based for a text-based game. Okay, uh, and you can find you can find hundreds, thousands of these, probably by some of your favorite indie developers, uh, available online for free. And usually they're done in styles that actually are not. They're not very like they're not actually, from a gameplay like a mechanical perspective. They're not that engaging because you're really just clicking on. You, there's text. You click on text and more text appears. Yeah. But and it's not even – there's not even that much in terms of like – in terms of like a choose-your-own-adventure scenario where you're, opening, where you're opening up all these different options and scenarios based on previous decisions. Rather, it presents and tells – usually tells like some sort of story. It feels – it's a f- new and kind of fresh method for involving the player slash the audience in on what it is that they're telling here. So okay. – it's not. I, I imagine there will be kind of. There's there will be an outcry for Twine games of not quote like not being real games. Well, fuck all those people. We've we've reviewed a non-game this week, so <laughs> so, so fuck those people. So what is so what is Horsemaster then? Horsemaster, the game of horse mastery was was a twi- It was made in Twine, and it is about your adventure to become. The greatest horse master in the world. Is now, is a horse master a real thing or is this a made up? A horse, wh- what are you talking about? So, horse masters are a real thing. Horse masters are the human beings that are skilled enough in, in their involvement with their horse, with their relationship with their horse. Well, in the Olympics, they call it not equine, um, 
uh, what is it called in the Olympics? The the horse the horse event. Dressage. Horse dance. Dressage. Oh. Dressage. Is that is that the type it's of like horse, horse dance? Ma- it's like bat dance, but for horses. Is that the type of horse master that I am becoming? Is the is should it be called um, dressage master? I guess is what sort I'm of. It's more like a dog show. It's more like that sort of scenario where I don't want to spoil what the tests are in the horse mastery because some of them are pretty fantastic. Uh-huh. But this horse master, the game of horse mastery, is is about you as a person taking the steps necessary to push yourself to this monumental task and to transcend all of society to become this horse master. And so this involves all of the sacrifice in you becoming a horse master. And that, in, and that means, of course, is uh, the necessary amounts of drug addiction that comes with this and coping with that and coping with the loss that may come within the loss of the loss of your own well-being, the loss of your relationships, the loss of your shelter. These are all things that a horse master must deal with in order to transcend being. So it's like you are the horse equivalent of a Daryl Strawberry. Or of a Doc Gooden, where you you are going to be the best, but you are going to do a lot of drugs on the way to the top. Well, it's not necessarily that that you're going to do them. It's you have oh, to do them. Oh, you have to them. do them. Okay, there's no choice. You here. have to do them. Okay, like this is this is more like the steroids era. You ha- so do your do you give do you give any um, cocaine to your horse, or is this solely yourself? Do you want to be a horse master? Do I? No, no, I'm asking, do you? Because oh, otherwise, oh. Life, you're going no, to have no. to give up your current life. Oh. No, so in Horse Master, you are trying, you have, it comes in several parts. The first part is shopping, shopping for your horse. This is shopping for your soulmate, your equine soulmate. Uh-huh. Once you find them and buy them from the horse salesperson, which, ugh, such assholes, yeah. then you have to train your horse. You have to train it from its larval state to its pupa state all the way through being a yearling into a full-grown horse. And that means injecting it full of drugs. Uh That means feeding it. Mm -hmm. That means brushing its tentacles that people call a mane by mistake. This means shining, shining its carapace. I'm not ready to be a horse master. I need to do more speed. I need to go on a speed run here. I need to go on a, a, a San Diego speed run to be ready for I respect faster. that you've come to terms with that. That is a tough decision. That is a tough decision to be able to determine whether someone is ready to become a horse master. This is not, this is not something that can be taken lightly. Thank you for listening. One More Turn is produced, created, and hosted by Jim Staholsky and Kevin King. If you have any comments, questions, game suggestions, uh, drop us a line at onemoreturnpodcast at gmail.com or, or uh, check us out on our Facebook page, One More Turn Podcast. IED is courtesy of Pixel Hate off his album And the Revolution. You can find more Pixel Hate music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators off his album 2206. You can find more Breakbeat Heartbeat music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat kevin kevin what are we gonna play next episode breath of fire 2 that's what we're playing jim prepare to grind bye boy bye